Welcome to the Gen Z Stoic Podcast, episode number 13. Today we're going to be talking about education, but before we begin, I'm your co-host Ren. And I'm your co-host Mateo. So let's get right into education. Of course, today we're going to be talking about a Stoic perspective on it, as always, but we're also going to talk about, as American high school students, our experiences within the modern American education system, as long as as well as the history of this education system and some of the faults that can clearly be shown when you take a true look at the history of the American education system. Certainly. And again, to put it out there, just as sort of a disclaimer, we're not, we haven't been through college by any means, but we've been through uh, about 12 years. So elementary, middle and high school, and we've seen it evolve. We've seen it change. We've seen how school even across America is vastly different. Uh, And so today we're just going to kind of analyze and have a very open and thorough discussion around the system. Uh, as well as its effects on the youth now. And then we're also definitely going to look at how Stoics being uh, very, very knowledgeable and very smart people, very well-versed, viewed education and knowledge as a whole um, before the education system in America was even close to being Well, and I'd also like to add, as seniors in high school, we've gone through the college admissions process, and I think that one of the main complaints of college, and we can discuss it later, is cost and the cost of an education. I think that we've already experienced that firsthand. I know for me, it factored in and is still factoring in Mm -hmm. into my decision on where I go to college. And um, I don't want to speak for yourself, but I believe it was a factor for you as well. That that was the major decider was the the money. And that's the thing too, is now like a lot of people don't go to college because of how expensive it is. I mean, it doesn't make sense to pull out a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars of student loans that are going to leave you in crippling debt for the rest of your life just to get a degree that 56% of Americans say they don't even find their degree useful anymore, which is certainly sort of alarming. Um, And so I think today's discussion is just going to be kind of an an all-encompassing view on the education system. So we'll start with the the Stoic perspective on education, which I think we're going to have a heavy emphasis on Seneca the Younger today. Correct. And Seneca, in his letters of a Stoic, has... A specific section dedicated to education and in it you find a lot of different analogies we'll have we'll have a lot of quotes here today Seneca being my favorite um, stoic philosopher means that I've read quite in depth around this issue reading letters of a stoic multiple times and Seneca has an interesting point to make in terms of education is necessary education is vital but it does nothing to actually you know grant you virtue, grant you wisdom, grant you any of the values and habits that Stoics live Mm -hmm. with. He uses the comparison of food to virtue, right? You need to eat to survive, so therefore you have to have food to attain virtue. But that does not mean that food is a factor in getting you towards that virtue. Same thing goes with, he uses another comparison, um, a boat is made of wood, but we don't thank the wood for the boat getting us to and from different places. We thank the boat. boat. But the boat wouldn't be there without the wood. So education in Seneca's mind is the framework that pushes you towards virtue, but it has nothing to do with virtue itself. He even says in his letters of a Stoic that it has nothing to do with virtue. Um, he, he says that in terms of the relationship, education can prepare the soul for the reception of virtue, and it sets it going in that direction, but they do not conduct the soul all the way to virtue. Right. So I think... And this is, you know, my personal take on it. What Seneca is saying is that 
you have to you have to participate in education. You have to get an education. You have to be well versed enough mm-hmm. to succeed in society. But there's a point where education becomes not worth it, and you have to gain education through life experiences and through other things right. that truly grant you virtue. Well, that's a good point because when when you said that it talks about the soul, the soul is kind of um like an an everlasting thing, something that lasts on forever. You know, we talk about our soul that and. Uh, and, and life life experience is very different than education and Seneca says as long as you live keep learning how to live because the thing about life is how unpredictable it is and so everybody's faced maybe with a similar situation but it's always going to look different for each person and therefore it's very important that with each experience it's it's not an obstacle it's a trial if you start viewing the obstacles in life to to overcome is is a challenge rather than an obstacle then that's going to that's going to just completely change your mindset and make you very able to learn similarly with with failure you know if you view if you view one failure as oh i'm done like i'll never be good at this versus oh that was a learning opportunity here's how i'll do better that's exactly how you improve as a person and that's something that stoics heavily um are about is constant evolution constant learning always getting better and that it's interesting because when we that's more about learning but in education itself I think, you know, Stoicism is a school of philosophy, right? And so something that Seneca says about education itself is a person teaching and a person learning shall both have the same end in view, the improvement of the latter. And and it's interesting that because the teacher learns as they teach and the person is learning as they're being taught. So it's it's a very mutual and I feel like in today's society, you know, we don't the teacher's not necessarily learning, right? And it's, yeah, you apply that to the American education system. And how I think about it is we don't really have to show you um, the difference between a stoic take on education and the American education system. You can just go through how you've progressed as a listener, how you've progressed in the American education system. Think of a time where, you know, we've talked about like tough family situations where they challenge your beliefs, they challenge your your personal self, you know, going to the gym, being uncomfortable, all of those things that truly challenge you. When have you experienced that at a school, right? Mm-hmm. School may challenge your mind, but for me, nothing at school has challenged my personal beliefs or challenged me mm-hmm. to truly grow as a person, right? Mm-hmm. I can be challenged mentally, you know, I can be challenged with a math formula or a historical factoid, but mm-hmm. I can't be challenged to change my views change my mindset and ultimately better myself as a person and that's what i think we're talking about here when we say that education especially presently does not grant you virtue or Mm -hmm. even majorly push you on the way to virtue because it's teaching you a test it's teaching to cold stone facts when Mm -hmm. in reality as we've seen through the history of stoicism a lot of philosophy a lot of you know personal beliefs how to conduct your life is malleable the school system is currently not malleable and won't meet you at that end if your end goal is virtue. Exactly. And it's interesting that when we talk about, you know, modern um, society, it, it feels like we're being taught what to think, not how to think. And the thing that's hard about school that, that's difficult is it's not the work itself. It's the workload. It, it's, it's, it's figuring out how to balance your life with all the homework and stuff. You know, that, that's, that in itself isn't making you think. That's just you're learning how to be efficient and how to find loopholes and getting work done quicker. You know, we're more worried about getting our work done on time than producing a high quality of work that takes a lot of, you know, methodical processing and that's challenging us. Now, certainly there are classes that are challenging, but our school actually recently got rid of philosophy. 
one reason because we don't have a teacher but also we just don't have kids who are interested enough to take it which in my opinion kind of speaks a lot because I don't really I don't want to dive in too much into the modern part yet but philosophy in school is faded it's mm-hmm. not talked about anymore it seems right. like we're taught like you were saying the cold facts it's it's the stuff that you memorize it's not the stuff that you can learn to recognize in patterns anywhere and there's there's two things that I kind of conclude off of what you just said is that a when you or one when you go to school when you ask people you know what are you going to major in college what do you want to do when you grow up 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 until a point where i would say like 12 to 14 you know it's big dreams it's i want to be an athlete but after 14 it's like what makes the most practical sense to you know have job security or make the most money exactly and while those two things are important it's important to have job security it's important to make money it's important to satisfy your needs too often too often people are thinking with that money-making mindset instead of thinking you know what's the most fulfilling thing for me and that's how we get people who go to high school they go to college they get their degree and like Mm -hmm. you mentioned the 56 percent statistic they come out of college and they're truly unhappy because they either Mm -hmm. can't use their degree Mm -hmm. they use their degree on a job that truly doesn't make them happy and i think that that's what the education system breeds i think that the education system breeds a bunch of people who are so focused on getting to work getting to the money that they don't see the big picture of things and the second thing going along with that college argument is that we have taught students we have taught students especially in america that they have to wait until college when they're 18 when they're 19 20 mm-hmm. 21 to specialize to mm-hmm. find these like broad areas that they're interested in you know philosophy isn't a mainstream topic but it's one that still should be taught you know there's no reason to wait until you're 18 to find something that you truly enjoy and that you want to experience in a school environment, right. right? We've got schools that are pulling arts, that are pulling, you know, whether it's art classes or music or theater, they're pulling a lot of those classes. We got rid of philosophy at our school, mm-hmm. and there's, you know, budget cuts all over the place, and I think, you know, that obviously speaks a lot about the investment and in education that America is partaking right now. But it also speaks about what the priorities are. It's those mainstream topics, the ones that, you know, will grant you those solid life skills, which I say with air quotes, that are going to set you up for success in the future. Right. In reality, what we need instead is people who do things that they are passionate about. Exactly. People are passionate about math, for sure. So they should take those math classes. Mm -hmm. They're passionate about science. But not everybody is. Mm -hmm. There are people like us who are passionate in philosophy or other people who are passionate in the arts. And we, they deserve every opportunity to execute on those mm-hmm. passions. And that's what we talk about when we say that those types of education, the type of education where you're passionate and are seeking meaning, well, those that, are the ones that seek virtue. Sorry, I'll let you speak. No, no you're good. That, that's just the thing, though, is like you're, you're – it's, it's, morally, it's correct. Yes, that we should have the opportunity to do all those things. But unfortunately, with the way that society's developed now and the way that it is – we can't do what we want anymore. It should be you should always be able to do what you love. What you love. I mean, that's just that just makes sense. But like you were saying, most people are more focused on money, and unfortunately, with the that's one sort of I guess downfall of capitalism though is that money essentially runs and dictates the way that you live. And while it's very important for people to maintain financial stability and to be um, not worried about you know what they're going to be eating next or anything like that, it is important that they find a job that is suiting um, to their needs. What's and I think this we're going to honestly just have to kind of transition here into like the more modern part. We can come back into more stoic, but that that's essentially where it was founded. Uh, you you were talking about how I mean 
philosophy isn't apparent in school anymore, but that's the way it was designed. You had a quote that was talking about that from... So, for those of you who don't know, in 1902 is when John D. Rockefeller, who was one of the richest men to start up America essentially by owning oil, um, he created the General Education Board. Um, but So, essentially what he said is he didn't want a nation of thinkers, he wanted a nation of workers. And what I was talking about with the... Uh, philosophy is that quote that you yeah. found. And I think it's important um, to define the General Education Board as well before I get into the quote mm-hmm. is that it basically funded all of the schools across the nation. Like at the time, right. I forget the exact statistic, but it was over $100 million. Yeah, it was like $162 million or something. Which was at the time, which is probably billions of dollars now. Right. And so it basically funded schools across the nation and shaped our education system. It, it was a huge contributor in and, how the school system was shaped. Yeah, and Rockefeller obviously has the famous quote of wanting a nation of workers, not thinkers. But I found it really striking, you look deeper into it, and a business advisor, Frederick T. Yates at the time to Rockefeller, said that we shall not try to make these people or any of their children into philosophers or men of learning or science. We are not to raise up among them authors, orators, poets, or men of letters. We shall not search for embryo great artists, painters, or musicians. Now, in complete honesty, I found that quote just a little bit of a while ago, you know, maybe a couple weeks ago, and it, it really struck me that we came from, in terms of the education system, we came and were founded by people who did not want us to be creative, who did not want us to think. What they wanted is to move what were largely rural comp- communities at the time, farming communities, they wanted to move them to work into their factories mm-hmm. by providing them with a free education, with, exactly. by providing them with an incentive to do so. And in all honesty, not much has majorly changed, right? We, we recognize this history now. A lot of people recognize this history. We've gotten a lot better at writing, uh, at offering like creative writing classes or philosophy classes. But ultimately, the starting point and the end goal have not majorly changed since that mm-hmm. point in 1902, right? When we go to high school, we're all conditioned to think, you know, and this is just in America, we are all conditioned to think that there are three or four options, right? You go to college, you go to trade school, or you go into the workforce. Or the army. Right, or mm-hmm. in, into the military. Those are your options. Right. And then once you get to college, it's about getting a job. You go in straight mm-hmm. into the workforce, it's about getting a job, usually a low-paying one mm-hmm. if you do not go to college. You go to a trade school. And it's those laborious activities mm-hmm. that Rockefeller would have benefited from during his mm-hmm. time. You go into the military, and the military is obviously beneficial to right. the country, but your job prospects afterwards mm-hmm. are not good. And the and biggest so, reason most people go is so that they can get a college tuition paid for to then find a job. Right. And so it's all geared towards getting into the workforce and getting mm-hmm. into what I would say are not the top-level jobs. They're not the CEO, you know, no. executive floor mm-hmm. of the company. Those are things that are handed down within the wealthy in America, but they are not a product of the education system. And that's not how it should be, right? If the American Mm -hmm. dream is that you can build yourself up to be whatever you want to be, then why would you have an education system that is funneling you into just a small set of distinct options? Right. And and that, that that's a that's a good point about the American dream. It's sort of an illusion, you know. I, I think that was his dream was he was getting workers to fund him because at the time what he owned like at some point, he owned almost like 90% of the nation's wealth in oil at first, which is insane. The system itself is so articulately designed 
that there there's like there's webs if if you were to like look at it it would just be a page of webs with connections it's it's so down to the finest detail and you said that not much has changed and you're exactly right because if you look at the general curricula of the school system you have your core classes that are like you said are going to give you your your soft skills you know your staple staple skills for succeeding in life and as far as i can remember and I think this is certainly a generational thing as well, because I know our parents are in the millennial generation and for the most part, and they were like, oh, well, after high school, you have to go to college. Like the only right thing is to go to college. And that's all they've ever known, because the way that the the economy is sort of that sort of works is the people who are in power now are going to stay in power. Those families, you know, it's just, like you said, it's generational. It's going to get passed down. And that certainly doesn't mean that you can't have successful entrepreneurs who start up companies. But if, for example, if you've ever looked at a web of the, um, I think it's the food companies, and you look at like Hershey, Skittles, you know, all these, there's like hundreds, maybe even thousands of brands. And if you look at this web, ultimately they're all owned by maybe six corporations who own hundreds each. And so that's the whole kind of illusion with the education system is that we think that you know, we're making progress inside the education system. And that doesn't, that's not to discredit our teachers. We have amazing teachers in our school and across the nation. But no amazing teacher is going to make, like, is going to solve the problem if it's the system that's broken. Right. And I kind of think of, you brought up successful entrepreneurship. There's a reason that, you know, Mark Zuckerberg goes to Harvard, drops out. Bill Gates goes to Harvard, drops out. The Be Bezos went to school, but then... You know, he got his first job and was like, this isn't for me. Mm -hmm. Quit his job, started Amazon. All of these billionaires, cut and dried, copied the same formula, which is that they went through the education system and while, yes, their great ideas were a part of them dropping out, realized that there's a crossroads between having such a high level of education and actually being successful and happy. And they chose to go the route of being successful and happy, and that came with dropping out. Now, are we advocating for dropping out of college, not going to college? No. But we're highlighting the flaws that are within the American education system and people who have realized that and made something of themselves while not participating in what is that education cycle that America has currently put on all of its children and is going to currently put on future generations if we do not right. change anything. And we're also we're highlighting the importance of thinking for yourself because like I said, I was kind of under, I was raised to think that college is the next step after high school. That's the only way to live a good life to be successful but as as i've kind of you know i think certainly covid was a big uh, eye opener for many people because we had so much time to ourselves we were on social media connecting with many many people seeing all these i guess quote influencers and successful people and you start to think is school really necessary for what i want to do because for me i've never wanted to stay in the same field forever that's just how i've operated i didn't i was like i don't want to be a scientist forever you know and people are like oh well you can just hop, job hop you know and it's like well i guess but you know that's what everyone does well, you know and you talk about um people you know thinking down on you if you choose not to go to college right you know it feels unsafe you're putting yourself at risk like you have no security but in reality, do you truly feel that way, or is it like society who's come to believe that? Right. And then you look at where we've been founded. There's a reason why society has come to believe that 
there's only a few options. And if you don't take those options, you're making a risky decision right. or you're not making a smart decision. And that's because society is ultimately unaware that this was actually how it was founded. A lot of people, you know, think, oh, it was founded so that anybody can chase the American dream. Anybody can do whatever they want. Well, it's do whatever they want in order to help this big corporation. Right. It's not, it's not, it's, it's such an illusion. You know, they don't teach, there's a reason that there are far less business and entrepreneurship classes offered in school. You know, because the ultimate goal of the education system was to create and produce obedient employees. Rockefeller said he wanted their um, the the product of the education system was so that these people could maintain their occupations in their life. That that was one of his quotes, and they it's so they can stay in the workforce. And all these big companies that we talk about, not to go off on a tangent, but they don't really care about you. They just care about profit. I mean, if you look at, I don't want to necessarily like discredit Amazon because Jeff Bezos is clearly a very successful person, but morally it's a very unethical business. If you look at like where their buildings are, um, like if you go into these very impoverished communities and there's just a giant Amazon building next to hundreds of people who don't even own a house. The thing is, is these companies don't care. It's all, it's all about the profit and that's not to discredit, I guess, entrepreneurship as a whole, but that's sort of more to highlight that Rockefeller didn't necessarily care morally about the future of the nation. He cared about bringing in money. As a businessman, he was incredibly successful and had an amazing, you know, he was very smart that way. He essentially got every, cor you know, every major corporation in the United States at that point to somehow generate him money in a, in a certain way. And that's even like with healthcare, this is something that a lot of people don't know. But um, the, it, when he you know, started in the late 19th century with the, the American oil industry business, um, they found out that scientists found out that the production of chemicals from oil and petroleum, known as petrochemicals, um, could be of use in the pharmaceutical industry. And this led to a, a sort of an abolishment of holistic uh, medicinal practices and to more of an oil petro-based medicine. Um, and so then again, he monopolized on the oil industry so he could gain money from the healthcare system as well and that's a whole nother topic but that's something also a lot of people don't know is many people are just very unaware of the origin of where it all comes from but once you start to understand how it was founded and sort of the motive behind it then it makes a lot more sense why there are a lot of failures and why there are a lot of flaws in the system right and i think it's it's the process of acknowledging the faults so that we can change them right obviously as students we're going to have a biased perspective because we're in it right now but objectively looking at the history there are changes that need to be made mm -hmm. there are things that need to be done so that we make students more likely to be successful but also more likely to just be creative and be a society of thinkers right a society of inventors and a society of people who just based on your talent and your work ethic you can make it not based off how much money you're willing to put down for an right. education or how much money you come into it with and i think that's where we're at in society with the large cost of college and the fact that high school is not meeting the needs of all of its students is that if you're poor, you unfortunately don't get to advance far enough in life. Even if you are insanely right. smart or insanely, you have an insanely high work ethic, you mm -hmm. don't get to advance far in society. And I always think about the story of when I was signing up for classes for this year, right? And this was back in April of last year. And there's a few classes that I wanted to take that were, you know, not as mainstream, right? Um, an entrepreneurship class, like you mentioned. Um, 
a comparative government class, a criminal justice class, classes that aren't necessarily mainstream, but for me would have been personally interesting, challenging, mm -hmm. and advanced me towards my goals as I want to be a lawyer. Unfortunately, my counselor said that there wasn't room and that sometimes you just have to take classes that mm -hmm. you don't like. I reject that. And you can disagree or agree with that, but I simply reject that school is a place where you sometimes have to take classes you don't like. Mm -hmm. If it's math or science, mm -hmm. sure. But if it's a thing where there isn't the opportunity to take a class that you want, that's unacceptable. I think mm -hmm. in an education system, that's absolutely unacceptable to tell right. a student, hey, you've demonstrated this interest, this passion, but unfortunately you're mm -hmm. not gonna be able to take this class or get this opportunity. That's a failure of the American education system right. and it's still happening today. Right, because you're, you're stripping curious minds of an opportunity that allows them to fulfill that, that desire of whatever it is. And it, we, when I was in elementary school, I loved school. You know, I loved going to school. And we also were outside a lot. Not that it, that that's really to my point, but being outside, you know, we were, we were just running around and I mm -hmm. loved learning. Um, but I, I loved going to school because I actually enjoyed learning. And now coming out of high school, I'm like, I really don't want to ever see school again, which is unfortunate. Well, and I have an interesting point to make. And I saw this um, the other day on the Daily Stoic podcast in which a lot of where we've gained kind of our disdain for school is from our parents and our parents graduating from the school system we get to see hey you know they aren't learning anymore they don't have to do a lot of homework um, this isn't personally my experience but for a lot of people you know they do their job from nine to five and they don't bring it home and then they're present from after five until nine the next day they're present they're at home they're um, living their lives with their families they don't have to carry their stuff home with them and then you compare that to school and you're like, well, that's gotta be awesome, you know? Mm -hmm. Nine to five may suck, but they don't have to carry that home with them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a testament to two things, which is that the American education system is doing us wrong by bringing these things home with us mm -hmm. and not providing with an enriching experience from right. nine to five. And that the, that the end goal of education is that you get your degree, you get your job, you're done. Mm -hmm. You don't have to learn anymore. You don't right. have to acquire any mm -hmm. more knowledge mm -hmm. when life should be an active learning process. Right. Seneca talks about the value of education outside of school, yep. education through life experiences. And mm -hmm. that's exactly what we are missing mm -hmm. currently. The end goal of education is to get your job, get your future set up, but it's mm -hmm. not to continue to be passionate about yep. learning, continue to acquire knowledge, it's, okay, I have money now, so I'm done. Exactly, and and that's, like I said, a very big stoic value that Seneca says, as long as you live, keep learning how to live, and this also is something that my mentor said, he's like, most most of his target audience is, is our age, you know, just graduated high school or in college, it's like, as soon as you graduate, that doesn't mean you get you have to stop learning. You know, the, the beauty of life is that you, you'll never know everything, and that's why learning is such a, it's such a priceless thing. I believe that education, is priceless it shouldn't come at a cost but because we Rockefeller realized how valuable education and knowledge is that's why you put a price on it is because people will pay for it because it is that valuable unfortunately you're sort of taking advantage of um, society as a whole when you were talking about how poor people uh, people in poverty if they don't have money then they can't get an education money in our society essentially does define your ability to succeed morally uh, it, what the Stokes believed regardless of how much money you have, you still have the ability to learn and you still have the right to learn because learning isn't something you, learning isn't something that you earn, it's something that you deserve, it's something granted, it's a basic human right is the ability to attain knowledge. And you were talking about how you were stripped of the opportunity to do a class because it was full. And how you think that um, taking classes that you don't want to take is wrong, 
right? Mm-hmm. And and I'll agree with that. There was um, there was a class junior year, uh, AP Calculus. Sure, it was a tough class, you know, but I already knew that I would wanted to go into business at that point. And the argument that was made against me was that, oh, well, you're going to have to take it in college anyway. Why not um, just take it now? Why not take it now and then have it out of the way? Well, here's the thing. With the way that our education system is designed in America, we have a, we have something called an AP curriculum. It's advanced placement. And the scores that you – a passing score is a 3, a 4, or a 5. Now, certain colleges only accept a 4 or a 5 or even just a 5. They don't accept anything below. Well, the college that I'm attending doesn't accept below a 4 or a 5, and I got a 3. So I took this class in high school that I didn't even want to take, which in my opinion disrupted a lot of emotional um, opportunity that I could have had in junior year because I was so focused in my free time doing this thing that I didn't want to do that, by the way, I do not need to get my degree. Um, but the argument was that, oh, take it now. You wanted to take it in college. Well, I still have to take it in college, which is fun. And that's the funny thing, too, is with college, they tell you that you can really focus in on what you want to do. I knew someone who was a business major who had to take a theater class. Right. It doesn't even make sense. Well, there's it's- still the like first year you know, prerequisites and all of that. And I think that's certainly a concern of mine is um, AP testing and schools kind of transitioning away from giving credit. I know there's even schools now, the very prestigious schools that don't give credit for anything, even mm-hmm. if you get a five, which I think everybody can agree is kind of not favorable towards students. And shows that it's ultimately about the money. And that's my point. That's my exact point. Seneca says that he respects no study or deems no study good, which results in money making. And the unfortunate truth is that a lot of these colleges now are just money making institutions. They're mm-hmm. for profit institutions. They're not about providing the education to their students. They're about right. making the money off of them, using them as a statistic, mm-hmm. and making themselves look good instead of what the ultimate goal of college should be, is, which is to produce a society of thinkers, a society of people who are going to push us forward, a society of people who are going to create and are who are going to do right by the education that they were given. And unfortunately, it's no longer a privilege of work and effort, like I said. It's a privilege of having the money to simply to go there. Mm-hmm. There's many students who can't afford to go to these prestigious institutions because they they simply can't afford it mm-hmm. because we're now upwards of eighty, ninety thousand $90,000 a year before mm-hmm. aid, which is a year's salary for a majority of Americans. And there's even more people who can't even afford to go to regular college because it's so expensive. And that's where we're at in society, you know. College was an addition after the American education system was founded. But, and while it's a good thing and a good addition, there's a reason it comes with such a high price tag is because it corrects some of the flaws you see in high school but unfortunately, it's not obtainable for everybody, and that's mm-hmm. where the main flaw of college is in my mind. Right. Well, and it's certainly not unreasonable to say that a lot of the Ivy League schools and prestigious schools are an oligopoly. Um, you know, there's there's not many of them, but the one, I mean, Harvard has had like over a billion dollars in the reserve that they easily could have given out to students, but you know, they just, they hold on to the money. You know, that they, they you could be providing students with aid who want to chase it, who want to chase their dream, who want the opportunity to receive an education that's fulfilling to them. But like you were saying, it is the unfortunate truth that college has now become about money for those large and uh, prestigious corporations. Even with schools that aren't necessarily labeled as prestigious, it still is very expensive. And the fact that they want students who are freshly out of high school, who have never worked, per se, a professional job, to be paying upwards of eighty, ninety thousand dollars $90,000 a year 
in my mind, that makes no logical sense. If you were a business, of course, because college is almost, with the way that it's been portrayed to the public now and, and depicted by individuals, is uh, is an inelastic good. You know, people are willing to pay as much for it as as they want in order to get it. It's like gas. People will pay. You can complain about the price, but people are still going to pay $5 a gallon to get gas because it's almost a necessity. Well, that's how we view college, unfortunately, is as a necessity. I think college and education are two terms that don't necessarily mean the same thing. Yes, you can gain an education in college, but you can also gain an education in a library for $80,000 less. Now, it may not be to you, you could argue, well, in college, it's going to be taught by someone with a degree who is credible. Um, you know, if you're doing it on your own, you might not learn as much. Yes, that's true. But what's more important? I mean, we value money so much. We're chasing an imaginary dollar every single day. But I think it's more important um, to, if you could, if you cannot afford college, to not go. Don't put yourself in crippling debt that you're just going to have to work back the rest of your life instead of chasing a dream that you could do for much less cost. Well, and one of the beauties of current day society is the internet and the fact that right. many of these schools um, who we just ripped on for being expensive are offering, you know, they post their lectures on YouTube. I know Harvard has a bunch of classes where they have lecture series that are free on YouTube, free to watch. MIT and Stanford both have coding programs that are mm -hmm. free to watch. I've taken advantage of them personally. Yep. I've seen Python code. And there's... Yep. A lot of these resources on the internet, which cost zero dollars and are taught by qualified people, but yet we still choose to go to college. And I think that's a societal standard that has been set, you know, and it was set in the motion over a hundred years ago that we continue to perpetuate mm -hmm. when there are clear examples of situations where it doesn't work. And there are clear examples where there are healthy alternatives that mm -hmm. give you the same kind of skill set, same solution. Now, our job's going to recognize a degree more than your intelligence? Mm -hmm. Yes, but... At what point is that degree worth the eighty, ninety thousand dollars a year, mm -hmm. forty, fifty thousand dollars a year, when you can get that same information, learn the same skills for absolutely free at home? And I, and I agree. It's also with the money. It's also not what is it worth four years? I don't think by any means it takes four years to earn. You know, and, and this is my opinion. Again, it does take a lot of time to become an expert in a certain field, but. <clears throat> Even just for a basic bachelor's degree, it still takes four years. And for me, it's going to take upwards of $320,000, which, in my opinion, is insane. Now, the only reason that um, I'm going forward with this is, again, as humbly as possible, I did receive a very generous scholarship from the school, and I do not have to put myself into a situation where I'll be in debt for the rest of my life. And I also see moving into another state as an opportunity to network. Um, but that's besides the point. The point is, is schools, especially private schools, that's a certain thing is a lot of people are scared of private schools because in-state or out-of-state tuition, it's the same. And scholarships are definitely scarce for those schools. But what was interesting is with some of the state schools as well, um, like for example, I'll say like uh, UCLA and the UC schools, that's a state program. They'll give you a ton of aid if you're in-state, but if you're out-of-state, they won't give you anything no matter how good your grades are. That's also something I wanted to talk about was grades. We put so much emphasis on the result now. Education is about the process. It's about the evolution, right? But grades now serve almost as um, you, as long as you get there, you get there. I know people who have amazing GPAs um, who aren't necessarily the smartest people, who can't necessarily think critically, who can't actually 
learn they just found loopholes in the education system to get things done to produce results and i know that in today's world we do have a society where it's result based and we def- we definitely neglect um and kind of put more emphasis on the outcome rather than the process but stoically that's incorrect stoically we believe that it's not about where you get it's about how you get there and what the things that you learn because it's much deeper than one outcome if you can learn things in the process of learning one thing then that's that's the beauty of knowledge and education right is learning many things in one well and i think to your point of the people who kind of have those high gpas they get good test scores but maybe aren't the most intelligent individuals that's what you get when you have a rigid and stagnant system that's been in place for 100 years ultimately people know how to play the system now Mm -hmm. I even, like, I say this all the time, like, school is just a measure of how well you know how to get through school. It's Mm -hmm. not a measure of what you know, it's a measure of how do you game the system, right? Exactly. And I've certainly been guilty of doing this, but if you know how to game the system, you can get good grades without necessarily learning anything. You know, it's well documented about studying, or about teaching to tests, about Mm -hmm. how that leads to studying and then information dumping. You don't really learn anything that way, and instead what you do is you just build a foundation of how do I cheat school? How do I get through school without mm-hmm. trying? Mm-hmm. And those are all bad results. Right. We say that kind of life is an evolutionary process, right? Life is always evolving, constantly changing. And that education is what you learn through life experiences, right? So if we take those two in tandem, then we can conclude that education should be like life. Education should always be changing. Right. Clearly, we can see the American education system is not doing that. And what you get is people who now know how to kind of just game the system, whether it's standardized tests, mm-hmm. whether it's GPA, and just the overall school system right. instead of truly learning things. And that does, you know, that's great. You can get into great colleges doing that. You know, you can be very successful up until a point doing mm-hmm. that. But then you get in the real world, and it's not a system anymore. It's, exactly. it's constantly changing. And that's how we're getting millennials who are progressively burning out. They're quite mm-hmm. quitting. And they're not being successful in the real world because we've gotten to a point in the millennial generation and our generation where the education system has been around for so long and has been the exact same exactly. that we now know just how to get through it and not truly challenge ourselves. And also, if you think about it logically, I mean, to your point, like you said, it's a very rigid and stagnant system. Our, our society has changed so much, and we still expect a system from over 100 years ago to do the same thing and produce the same results that it did. Now, in a way, it is. Because you still have people under under the the veal of oh well I'll go to school get a job and or I'll go to school go to college and get a job and then I'll just work till I die right and then I can't wait to retire. Well, what if we told what if you understood that there you didn't have to do that? I mean, to me, I think working the same job for fifty years sounds like terrible. Yeah. I would I would literally rather be unemployed and be poor than work the same job forever. Yeah, and. Gosh, it, it, I don't want to be emotional at all, but it definitely is upsetting as a student um, who who kind of understands this because we've both been on various school board meetings. Um, we're involved with you know certain clubs and activities from our school, but we've seen amazing teachers, amazing professionals in our district do great things. But the problem is is that we have to address the bigger picture. It's it's not just a district movement. It can certainly start there. It can start in a small community and make its way into the, the bigger system, but we're attacking problems within the system, right? Mm-hmm. We're, not, we're not addressing the system itself. And this is something that I've said with in almost every area. It's not about you see a problem and then you find a solution. 
I think you have to work backwards. You have to find the root cause of the problem instead of trying to just find an antidote, right? And so this could go for school, it goes for health, it goes for all areas of life, but especially in the education system. If we're attacking problems within the system, we're never going to actually solve anything. Certainly you can make improvements within communities, but if you're not, uh, not attacking, but if you're not um, challenging. challenging the system itself, then there's never going to be any real change and it's always going to be it's going to seem like these problems are very reoccurring. And so I believe that we definitely have the ability uh, as, as the people because with pe- the people have the power in this country if we choose to use it correctly. It certainly seems that we don't because I feel like a lot of people are very unaware of the truth. And so that's, that's why we're telling this to you is because it's very important to be aware of the, the foundation of this system and how we believe we're by no means experts, but how we believe it, it could be solved, how we believe there could be um, changes could be made effectively and how we could really see improvements by simple changes in how we're, we're looking at a problem. And it's important to note kind of through our experiences, we've both gone to multiple board meetings, as you said, and the people there do accept change. They want change. Right. I think we're saying is the system is flawed, but the people within the system, I believe, are truly great. We have amazing teachers amazing at our school. Amazing people. I know amazing teachers at other schools. Our school board is full of fantastic people who yes. work with students and who work towards true change. We are both close with many school board members. Right. But ultimately, the problem is, is that the power lies with us, but it's lying dormant because not enough people care or recognize the mm-hmm. issue. And so that's why we're speaking on it today is that a lot of our listeners are high school students or college students. They are people who have, are in the position to take control, recognize the problem, right. and do something about it, go to their local school boards. And so that's what we're encouraging is that the system is clearly flawed, but you as listeners and ourselves have the power to change it if we all come to an agreement that it is flawed and work towards creative solutions mm-hmm. so that the American education system can better serve each individual student, right. make a society of thinkers, make a society of more creative people, yes. make a society that you know prioritizes progression and innovation rather than just simple results, mm-hmm. simple job security, simple what job makes the most money. And, that, and that's the thing too is a lot of many, many, many individuals have just accepted the eat, sleep, work, entertainment cycle is life. And I don't want to get, you know what I do? I do want to get deep here for a second. Have you ever just thought about like just being alive, how amazing that is, how the odds of ending up here are so slim, the odds of being capable of thinking this way, how we are a product of the universe and how it's all just, it's, it's very deep. And yet we've accepted this very shallow um, existence. And we're just like, oh, well, that's just how it is. Now, it's not that we shouldn't look back in the past and be like, oh, this is what we've always done. But it's also about recognizing what makes sense logically. It's not about what the majority thinks. It's about thinking for yourself. That's truly what we're advocating here is thinking for yourself. A lot of times people go to college because they that's what they're told. But if you really think for yourself and what it does for you, it is scary to take risks. But nothing ever good comes from staying in your comfort zone. If, if you don't take risks, you won't get a reward, and that's how it always is. But that's the beauty of education, is if you can make an informed decision, if you're highly educated, if you're highly knowledgeable, you can make informed decisions that are more likely to help you take a very calculated risk in life. And you make your own decisions, and that's exactly how you find wisdom. Uh, we're going to close today's episode with a quote from Seneca that says that it is possible to attain wisdom without education, for although virtue is a thing that must be learned, it is not learned by means of these studies. 
when you are taking your classes, when you're going to, whether it be middle school, high school, college, think about what it teaches you about justice, what it teaches you about temperance, mm-hmm. what qualities of wisdom it bestows upon you. I would bet that you are likely to find that it gives you very little of any of these values, which are the things that give you true meaning in life. Therefore, while education is certainly necessary, gain perspective. Learn things through your life experiences. Educate yourself outside of school. Gain intelligence through things that challenge you, not just you know mentally, cognitively, but physically, emotionally, spiritually. Things that challenge you. These things that attain wisdom, attain virtue, not that attain education. This has been the Gen Z Stoic, episode 13. Thank you for listening.